We present Peter Salas as Hercule Poirot in Hercule Poirot's Christmas by Agatha Christie. Dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell. The year is 1938. Thank you very much, madam, and a happy Christmas to you. Thank you very much, sir. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Porter, sir. Can I help you? Yes, yes, you certainly can. Which train, sir? I want the Adelsfield train. Oh, we'd better be pretty smart, then. Number seven, sir. Train's pretty crowded. Not a seat anywhere, sir. I'll have to put you in the corridor, I'm afraid. Oh, that's all right. At least there's a pretty girl for you to look at in that compartment. Oh, thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. First lunch. Take your seats for first lunch. Are you taking lunch, sir? Uh, no. First lunch, please. Take your seats for first lunch. Uh, do you mind if I sit in here while they're all in the dining car? No, not at all. Thank you. You're not taking lunch? No, I'm not hungry. Oh, the train is pretty crowded. Oh, yes. The people go away from London, I suppose, to go to their families for Christmas. London's rather a terrible place, isn't it? Oh, yes. I do not like it at all. You are not English? I'm British, but I come from South Africa. Oh, Have you just come from abroad? I come from Spain, but my mother was English. This must be a terrible time for Spain. The news of the war seems to get worse every day. It is... Very terrible, yes. Is that why you came to this country? Yes. I am going to stay with my relations. With my English relations. I see. Tickets, please. Thank you, madam. Thank you, sir. It's the third class ticket, sir. I only came in here to sit down while they were taking lunch. I'm sorry, sir, but you can't stay here. This is a first class compartment. That the children from the village? Uh, yes, the second time today, sir. The footman would see to them. Good. You mustn't let the seasonal spirit get out of hand. But I do want this to be a real family Christmas, Tresillion. Indeed. I can't look forward to many more at my age. I want to see all my children around me. And I fancy that may mean a few unpleasant surprises for some of them. Has Mr. David said when they are arriving? I believe not, sir. No. Must be years since he last set foot in this place. Ah, always got on my nerves with his art and his music and his dreamy, moonstruck ways. But he was his mother's darling. I couldn't stand him any more than I could stand her. I just can't bear the thought of going back there, that great, gloomy, unforgiving house. I hated every moment I spent there. When I think of all that Mother suffered... Yes, dear. She was so patient, Hilda, lying in pain but enduring everything. And when I think of my father bringing all that misery into her life, humiliating her, boasting of his love affairs, unfaithful to her time and time again and never even troubling to conceal it, he broke her heart, he killed her. I decided then I couldn't go on living under his roof. I'm sure you did right, David. I can't think how Alfred stands it, how he has stood it all these years. But Father could always twist him round his little finger. But you escaped. I escaped. And now he wants us to go back there. For a family Christmas. What's he up to? What does he have to be up to anything? Your father's growing old, David. He's a lonely old man who's beginning to feel sentimental about his family. 
At any rate, David didn't go and marry a girl 20 years younger than himself like that fool George. When's Mr. George coming, Tresillian? We have not yet heard, sir. Old before his time. Nothing but a pompous windbag. I'd have thought there were enough like him in Parliament. <laughs> the Honourable Member for Westeringham, God save us. Well, I think it is my duty to go, Magdalen. Oh, darling, don't be a hypocrite. It'll be perfectly ghastly. Moreover, it will enable us to put the servants on board wages. Christmas is always expensive and we need the money. Oh, George, don't fuss. So you're always worrying about money. Well, someone has to worry. Oh, turn that darn thing off, won't you? Oh, it's absurd to pinch and scrape in all these little ways. Why don't you get more money out of your father? But he does give me a very handsome allowance. George, you're not a child. You're middle-aged. He ought to settle some money on you outright. No, but that's not his way of doing things. But he's a millionaire twice over. What's going to happen when he dies? Well, I should imagine that the bulk of it will go to Alfred and myself. And your brother David? No, oh, father always said he would cut him out of his will. And, of course, there's Harry. Harry? Who on earth, Harry? Ah, ah, uh, my brother. I never knew you had another brother. Yeah, we never mentioned him. He was a thoroughly bad lot. <laughs> now, what is it, Macklin? What are you laughing at? <laughs> oh, I was only thinking how funny it was that you, of all people, should have a disreputable brother. You're so respectable. I should hope so. Your father isn't respectable, is he, George? Oh, really, Macklin? Well, sometimes the things he says make me feel quite uncomfortable. Mind you, if I were a few years younger, I'd certainly take a lively interest in that young woman. Where are Alfred and Lydia? Uh, they are on the terrace, sir. A pretty cold day to be out on the terrace, I'd have thought. Uh, Mrs. Lee is attending to her gardens. Her gardens? Yes, she has constructed miniature gardens in the old stone sink, sir. There's an Italian garden, I think, and uh, a rather pretty little Japanese one, you know, with uh, bridges made out of plasticine. Good God! I thought she was supposed to be a woman of breeding. Well, I've got a little surprise for that precious pair. Send Horbury to me. And this is a new one, isn't it? What's it supposed to be? It's the Dead Sea, Alfred. Do you like it? It's rather arid, isn't it? Well, it's dead, after all. It's my contribution to our sentimental family Christmas. God knows why your father is insisting on dragging all these people down here. It'll only cause trouble. Why do you have to give in to him all the time? He expects to have his own way. Naturally, since he always has had it. The father expects to come first. He's very good to us, remember? You mean financially? Well, he never grudges us money. You can spend what you like on clothes and on this house, and the bills are paid without a murmur. Yes, and in return, he expects us to be his slaves. We have no lives of our own, no independence. I wish you wouldn't talk like that, Lydia. The old man is very fond of you. Well, I'm not at all fond of him, and he knows perfectly well I don't like him. <coughs> uh, Lydia. What is it, Aubrey? It's Mr. Lee, madam. He asked me to tell you that there will be two more guests arriving for Christmas, and would you have rooms prepared for them? Two more guests? Yes, madam. Another gentleman and a young lady. A young lady? That's what Mr. Lee said, sir. Oh, tell him we'll be up to see him directly. Very well, madam. How oh, I dislike that man. He creeps about the house like a cat. One never hears him coming or going. Oh, to tell the truth, I don't like him much either. But it's not so easy to get a good male nurse. And father likes him, that's the main thing. Do you know what I think, Alfred? What? I think your father's been bored lately, and I think he's planning a little diversion for himself. Now guess who's coming for Christmas. I'll bet you a fiver you won't get the answer. Aubrey said you expected a young lady. And that intrigued you? Yes, I dare say it did. Pilar will be arriving any minute now. I gave orders for the car to meet her. Pilar? Pilar Estravados. The child Jennifer had by that frightful Spanish artist. Now that Jennifer's dead, 
I want to see my only grandchild. She's my flesh and blood, and she's coming to live in my house. Oh, it's going to be a grand Christmas. All my children round me. Well, there's a clue to the other visitor, Alfred. All my children. Guess, boy. Um... Harry, of course, your brother Harry. But I thought he was dead. Not he, alive and kicking. You're having him back here. Ah, the prodigal son. Eh? Yes, you're right. We must kill the fatted calf, Alfred. We must give him a great welcome. But he treated us all disgracefully. If he hadn't got us all into such a mess, I'd, I'd have been able to go into the army. Christmas is the season of forgiveness, Alfred. I never dreamt that he'd come within these walls again. Well, I rather fancy he'll be in them for some time. He's coming home to stay. What? But we must let bygones be bygones, mustn't we, Lydia? I see you've thought a good deal about Christmas this year. Mr. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's as though I've given you quite a shock. Oh, it's cold out here. I'm expected, aren't I? Oh, yes, indeed, sir. Yes. Come in, Mr. Harry. <laughs> Just the same ugly old mansion. Still standing there. That's the main thing. How's my father, Tresillian? Uh, well, he's something of an invalid, you know, sir. He keeps to his room and can't get about much. But he's uh, wonderfully well, considering. <laughs> the old sinner. And how's my dear brother, Alfred? Oh, he is very well, sir. Looking forward to seeing me, eh? I expect so, sir. <laughs> I don't. I bet it's given him a nasty jolt, my turning up. Well, if you will just come into the drawing room, sir, I will see if I can find Mrs. Alfred. That's fine by me. All the old exhibits in their place, I see. Don't believe anything has changed since I went away 20 years ago. Good Lord! Are you my father's seventh and most beautiful wife? I am Pila Estravados, and you must be my Uncle Harry, my mother's brother. Oh, so that's who you are, Jenny's daughter. Why did you ask me if I was your father's seventh wife? Has he really had six wives? No, he's only had one official one, though quite a lot else on the side. Well, Pila, really gives me quite a turn to see something like you blooming in this mausoleum. How do you do, Harry? I'm Lydia, Alfred's wife. Ah, how do you do, Lydia? How does it look after all these years? Oh, pretty much the same. And the rest of the family, are they well? Didn't you know? They're all coming here for Christmas. Regular family reunion. <laughs> What's come over the old man? He must have changed. Uh, perhaps. Why, if it isn't Alfred. Hello, Harry. Funny to be here again. I expect so, yes. A good many years since you uh, got out. <laughs> yes, Alfred. I'm glad I've come home. Yes, I suppose you could say I've been a very wicked man. All men are wicked. Ninan says so. And that is why one has to pray for them. And they say you repent when you get old. That's bunkum. I don't repent. <laughs> and I tell you, I've done most things. I've cheated and stolen and lied and women. Oh, always women. Someone told me the other day of an Arab chief who had a bodyguard of 40 of his sons, all roughly of the same age. <laughs> I don't know about 40, but I bet I could produce a very fair bodyguard if I went about looking for the brats. Oh. Now, what do you think of that, Pilar? Are you shocked? Why should I be shocked? Men always desire women. My father, too. That is why wives are so often unhappy, and why they go to church and pray. <laughs> uh, I've had a good life, a very good life. 
But it, it's a long time since I've seen anything so young and beautiful. Oh. Uh, I want to show you something. Help me up. Uh, something I bet you've never seen in your life before. I'll, I'll just get them out of the safe. Uh, 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 now, do you know what they are? Hmm? Diamonds, child, diamonds. But they are little pebbles, that is all. <laughs> they are uncut diamonds. That's how they are when they're found. Why do you not have them cut and made beautiful? Because I prefer them like this. They take me back to the old days in South Africa. Old Eb Far. It... Well, who can that be? It's too early for George, surely. Can I help you? Is this where Mr. Simeon Lee lives? Yes, sir, yes. Uh, I'd like to see him, if I may. Ah, well, Mr. Lee is an invalid, you see, sir. He doesn't see many people now. Still, I'd be grateful if you could tell him I'm here. C could you give him this letter? So, you're Ed Farr's boy. Just a minute ago, I was thinking about him, remembering the old days. He told me you were partners out in Kimberley. And if I ever came over here, I was to look you up. Quite right, Mr. Farr. Good to see you. Now, this is my uh, granddaughter, Pilar Estrabadas. How do you do? I'm very pleased to make your acquaintance, Miss Estrabadas. Now, sit down. Tell me all about yourself. Are you in England for long? Oh, <laughs> I shan't hurry myself now I've got here. Quite right. You must spend Christmas with us. Unless you've got other plans. Well, no, I haven't, but I don't like Oh, to nonsense. You're one of the family, my boy. Think of yourself as that. I've been looking for you everywhere, David. What are you doing all by yourself in here? This was her piano. It's frightfully cold in this room. That's her chair. The chair she always sat in. Just the same. Do come out of here, David. It's so cold. It's still perfectly tuned. What is that? I seem to know it. I haven't played it for years. It's one of Mendelssohn's songs without words. She used to play it. Oh, play some Mozart, do. No. This was a particular favourite of hers. Uh, listen, Horbury, I want the whole family to come up here after lunch, everybody. Yes, sir. And when you bring them along, make plenty of noise. I want to know when they're coming. And leave this door open. What is this, Horbury? Family council? Mr. Lee was very emphatic. You should all be here. Hello. Ah, is that Carlton, Hodgkin and Bruce? Uh, come in, all of you, and sit yourselves down. Shan't be a minute. Thank you, Father. Now, is that you, Carlton? Uh, Simeon Lee speaking. Yes. No, no, I wanted you to make a new will for me. Oh, yes, some time since I made the other... Circumstances have altered. No, 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 no hurry. I don't plan to die just yet. Well, you're all looking very glum. What's the matter? Uh, you sent for us. Oh, nothing portentous about it. No, no, I'm just uh, rather tired today, that's all. None of you need come up after dinner. 
Let's go to bed. I want to be fresh for Christmas Day. Good old institution, Christmas. Promotes solidarity of family feeling. <laughs> what do you think, Magdalen, my dear? Oh, um, yes. Now, let me see. Before George, uh, you lived with a retired naval officer. Your uh, father, I think you said. Don't suppose you made much of Christmas then. It needs uh, a big family for that. Well... Yes, perhaps it does. Well, I don't want to talk about anything unpleasant at this time of year, but you know, George, I'm afraid I'll have to cut down your allowance a bit. My establishment's going to cost me a bit more in future. Oh, look here, Father, you can't do that. Oh, but I can, George. Well, my expenses are very heavy already. As it is, I don't know how I make both ends meet. Well, let your wife do a bit. I'm sure she can work out some way to supplement your income, and she could save by making her own clothes. My wife, I remember, was clever with her needle about all she was clever with. A good woman, but deadly dull. Don't you dare say a word against my mother. Now you sit down, boy. You'll knock something over. My mother was a saint. Your mother had the brains of a louse. And it seems to me she's transmitted her brains to her children. You're not worth a penny piece, any of you. I'm sick of you all. Call yourselves sons of mine. You're not men. You're a set of namby-pamby weaklings. Pilar's worth any two of you put together. I swear to heaven, I've got a better son somewhere in the world than any of you. Even if you were born the right side of the blanket. Oh, Lord, Father, that's a bit thick. The same goes for you, Harry. What have you ever done? Whine to me for money from all over the world? I tell you, I'm sick of the sight of you all. Go on, get out, get out, all of you. George, we are not coming here again. Absolutely terrible the way you let me speak. Well, and what is keeping you, Hilda? Why haven't you gone and out with the rest of them? When your letter came, I believed what you said, that you wanted your family around you for Christmas. I persuaded David to come. Well, what of it? You wanted your family around you so that you could abuse them and set them all by the ears. God help you if that's your idea of fun. (laughs) I always did have a specialised sense of humour. What's the matter? I'm afraid. Afraid of me? Not of you. I'm afraid for you. Superintendent Sugden. Oh, now what can we do for you, sir? Oh, I've come to see Mr. Lee about a contribution to the police orphanage. He is expecting me. Ah, oh, well then I'll take you up there, sir. Who was that at the door? Oh, it was the police. What? Oh, mind what you're doing. All these years I've had the washing of those cups and never one broken. And now, what do you do? You come along touching things you've no business to touch and look what happened. I'm sorry, Mr. Sicilian. I don't know how it happened. What do the police want? Uh, Collecting for the police orphanage. Nothing but begging this time of the year. Well, bye now, Mr. Tresillian. I'm off to the pictures. Oh, I see. Well, enjoy yourself. Oh, anything be better than looking after that gloomy lot. Right, Merry Christmas there, going to have. All well, Superintendent? Mr. Lee was generous and cautious as ever. Good night, Mr. Tresillian. Good night, sir. Is everything in order, Willie? They've all gone in, Mr. Tresillian. Ah, right. Well, we'll serve dinner. Well, I don't know, Mr. Tresillian. It's more like a funeral than Christmas Eve. None of them speaking a word all through dinner. Everyone on edge. 
What's up with them all? I'll thank you not to criticize your betters, Willie. And I don't want to see you dropping fruit out of the bowl again. No, Mr. Tresillian. Yes, well, now I'd better collect the coffee cups. Oh, that'll be Mr. David. It's not a very jolly tune for Christmas, is it? That's the dead march, Willie. That's what that is. Good God. What's the master doing? I've never heard anything oh, like Oh, my God. What's happening up there? In here, come on, let me try it. No, no, it's locked. It's locked. Let me try it. Father! Father! Open the door! Let us in! You've got to break the door down. It's the only one. It's all right, I'm doing I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Come on. Oh, my God. The mills of God grind slowly. We'd have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him. Thank the Lord you've come, Superintendent. I was just ringing for the police. Why wouldn't anyone open the door? What's going on here? It's old Mr. Lee, Superintendent. He's been done in. Nothing must be touched. Now remember that. Touch nothing till the police arrive. That's most important. Excuse me, sir. If I could just come through. Ah, oh, Superintendent, thank God you've got here so quickly. What's happened? And my father has been killed and murdered. Stop, Magdalene, pull yourself together. Will everybody kindly leave the room except Mr. Alfred and uh, Mr. George Lee? Oh, that's right, Superintendent. Excuse me, miss. Nothing must be touched or disturbed. Of course not. She understands that. I was speaking to the lady, sir. You picked up something from the floor as I came in, didn't you, miss? I did. Yes, I saw you. So please give it to me. It's in your hand now. Here. Thank you. Soda? Oh, a little. Thank you. Oh, oh it's good to see you here, Poirot. Yeah. Particularly when we've nothing to do with ourselves in front of a blazing log fire. Oh. Nothing like a wood fire, I always say. Yes. At any rate, we shall be safe from crime during our stay. <laughs> oh, come, Colonel, even my reputation. No, no, Poirot, Christmas time, the season of peace, good cheer, and goodwill. Oh, the British, they are so sentimental. Well, what if we are? What if we do like the old days, the old traditional festivities? What's the harm? Oh, there is no harm. But let us for a moment examine the facts. <laughs> At Christmas, families who have been separated through the year assemble once more together. People who do not feel amiable are putting great pressure on themselves to appear amiable. If you dam the stream of natural behavior, mon ami, sooner or later the dam bursts and a cataclysm occurs. <laughs> I never know when you're serious and when you're pulling my leg, Poirot. I am not serious. Not in the least am I serious. But all the same, it is true what I say. Artificial conditions bring about their natural reaction. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yes, of course. Yes, Johnson here. Yes, Sergeant, what is it? Simeon Lee? Good Lord. Yes, yes, I'll be over straight away. Well, that's made me eat my words. A case of murder on Christmas Eve. I must get over there as fast as I can. You wish that I should accompany you? Well, it seems a shame to ask you, but well, you know how it is. Sugden's a good man, painstaking, thoroughly sound, but, well, he's not a not an imaginative chap. I'd like the benefit of your advice. Yes, of course. It's murder, right enough. No doubt of that. Mr. Lee's throat was cut. 
But there's something very odd about the whole matter. What do you mean? Well, I'd like you to hear my story first, sir. Hmm? This afternoon at about five o'clock, I was rung up by Mr. Lee at Adelsfield Police Station. He seemed a bit odd over the phone. He asked me to come over and see him at eight o'clock this evening, made a special point of the time. Moreover, he instructed me to say to the butler that I was collecting for the police orphanage. He wanted some plausible pretext to get you into the house. Well, that's right, sir. Mr. Lee was seated by the fireplace in his room. He asked me to sit down near him. He then said, rather hesitatingly, that he wanted to give me particulars of a robbery. He said he had reason to believe that uncut diamonds to the value of several thousand pounds had been stolen from his safe. Diamonds, eh? Then he said, it's difficult to explain in detail, but so far as I can see, only two persons can actually have the stones. One of them might have done it as a joke. If the other person took them, then they have positively been stolen. I asked him what he wanted me to do. He said, I want you to return here in about an hour. At that time, I shall be able to tell you definitely whether I've been robbed or not. Well, I, I was a little mystified, but I agreed and went away. That's very curious. What do you think, Poirot? Well, may I ask, Superintendent, what conclusions you yourself drew? Well, various ideas occurred to me, but on the whole, I, I figured it out this way. He reckoned that one of those people was a servant... And the other was a member of the family. Yes, that explains his attitude very well. That was why he wanted me to return later. In, in the interval, he meant to have an interview with the person in question. Any idea who this member of the family might be? Oh, no, sir. So I returned to the house at uh, 9.15 precisely. Just as I was about to ring the front doorbell, I heard a scream from within the house. And then a confused sound of general commotion. It was several minutes before the door was answered. I found Mr. Lee's room in a state of wild confusion. Mr. Lee was lying in front of the fire in a great pool of blood. Anyone in the room? Most of the family were there, sir. Just standing around. Hmm. Were the windows open or closed? One was closed and locked. The other was open a few inches at the bottom, but it was fixed in that position by a burglar screw. It's stuck fast and hasn't been open for years, I say. Also, the wall outside is quite smooth. No ivy or creepers. I don't see how anyone could have left that way. How many doors in the room? Just one. The door was locked on the inside. Nobody there except the old man who'd been killed no more than a few minutes previously. And there's no possibility of suicide? No, sir. Where's the weapon if it was? But you say the door was locked from the inside. Here's the key, sir. No fingerprints. Just take a close look at it. Oh. I do, yes, I see what you mean. Those faint scratches on the end of the barrel. Do you see, Poirot? Yes, yes, I see. But that means, does it not, that the key was turned from outside the door, turned by means of a special implement that went through the keyhole and gripped the barrel? Yes, but that isn't so easy to manage. It suggests a professional to me. Well, following that up, it looks as though there were a professional thief among the servants. That would explain the diamonds being taken, and the, the murder would follow on logically from that. Well, is there anything wrong with the theory? Well, it's, it's, it's difficult. The servants are all local people who've been here for at least four years. The butler's been here for close on 40. The only person new to the house is Horbury, Mr. Lee's valet attendant, and he was out of the house. Still is. Which leaves us with a family. Hmm. Well, I asked them all to stay in the drawing room until I was ready to take the statements. I see. 
Well, we'd better go upstairs and take a look at the body. 